Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 40 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Algerson. You know how we do these things. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get right into it. Topic number one, obviously, NBA free agency still in full Mitts. We're in the middle of the offseason, the shortest offseason in pro sports history. We need to talk about all these signings. So really, I'm going to go over all of the signings that have happened thus far real quickly and then talk about the biggest ones that have happened thus far. So first, let's start with what happened day one. I need to go over everything, people. This is every single signing that has happened to this point. Miles Leonard signed with the Miami Heat. Two years, $20 million. Second year is a team option. Dwayne Bacon signed with the Magic. Two years, $3.5 million. Jaheel Okafor signed with the Detroit Pistons for two, two years, $4 million. Jordan Clarkson coming back with the Utah Jazz. Potential sixth man of the year. Four years, $52 million. Josh Jackson, he signed with the Detroit Pistons for two years. Wesley Wesley Matthews, sharpshooter, he signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. One year, $3.6 million. Mason Plumley, Pistons went center happy this year. Uh, game's going away from it, and the Pistons signed a center. Mason Plumley, three years, $25 million. Patrick Patterson, he's returning to the Los Angeles Clippers. One year, $2.3 million. Derek Favors, making his return to Utah. Three years, $30 million. I think that's a good signing for them, absolutely. Dwight Howard, he will be moving off of the championship Lakers and headed to a team that has championship aspirations in the Philadelphia 76ers. He signed a one-year $2.6 million deal. Good to see Dwight Howard keeping his career going strong. Another guy, Rodney Hood, he's re-upping with the Portland Trailblazers second. Two years, $21 million. Second year is non-guaranteed. Trey Burke, after a solid showing in the bubble, he's getting three years, $10 million from the Dallas Mavericks. Garrett Temple, he was released by the Nets. He will be playing for the Chicago Bulls. One year, $5 million. Robin Lopez signed with the Wizards on a one-year contract. Justin Holiday is returning to the Pacers. Three years, $18.1 million. Pat Connington, Notre Dame player. He's coming back to the Bucks. Three years, $16 million. Alec Burke, one year, $6 million. Derek Jones, Jr. of the Miami. He is changing teams, going to the Portland Trailblazers. Really like this signing. Trailblazers made moves for some wings. He signed a two-year, $19 million deal. James Ennis, he signed a one-year contract with the Magic, re-signing with them. Yaka Pirtle. With the Spurs, he was part of that Kawhi Leonard trade with DeMar DeRozan. He re-ups with the Spurs. Three years, $27 million. Jamichael Green signs a two-year contract, $15 million, with the Denver Nuggets. Second year is a player option. Now, let's keep it moving. The signings have not stopped. Michael Carter-Williams, former rookie of the year. Signs a two-year deal re-upping with the Magic. Mo Harkless signs a one-year $3.6 million deal with the Miami Heat. Chris Dunn, 
changing teams. He's headed to the Atlanta Hawks. Two years, $10 million deal. Second year is a player option. Bobby Portis was released by the Knicks. The Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks, signed him. Two years, $7.5 million. Second year is a player option. DJ Augustine played for the Orlando Magic. He is headed to Milwaukee at, as well. Three-year, $21 million deal. Denzel Valentine, he's signing a one-year $4.7 million deal with the Chicago Bulls. Wesley Awandu, he's playing for the Dallas Mavericks on a two-year deal. DeAnthony Melton, four years, $35 million. He's playing for the Memphis Grizzlies. Avery Bradley skipped out on playing for the Lakers in the bubble, is now headed to the, who the Lakers played in the NBA Finals. The Miami Heat, he's going there on a two-year, $11.6 million deal. Jay Crowder, a Miami Heat piece, is headed to the Phoenix Suns on a three-year, $29.9 million deal. And remember, they traded for Chris Paul, too. Suns did a few things here. Gary Clark, he signed a two-year, $4.0 million deal with the, Dallas, uh, with the Orlando Magic. Excuse me. He's coming back. Rajon Rondo, rejuvenating his career after a nice playoff run with the champion Los Angeles Lakers. He's going to the Atlanta Hawks. Two years, $15 million. He's supposed to be the mentor to Trey Young. Love the signing for them. Tristan Thompson spent his entire career with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Will be now on the Boston Celtics. They've needed a big man. He's got championship experience. He sent a two-year, $19 million deal. Good decision by the Celtics bringing him in. Jeff Teague also coming in to the Celtics on a one-year deal, backing up Kemba Walker, Jeff Green. Really, the Nets' only moves besides re-signing Joe Harris. They signed Jeff Green, one-year, $2.6 million. Paul Millsap, he's returning to the Denver Nuggets on a one-year $10 million deal. My boy, one of my favorite players ever, Carmelo Anthony. Stay mellow. Re-signing with the team that brought him back into the NBA, the Portland Trailblazers, on a one-year $2.6 million deal, getting that minimum. Contavious Caldwell-Pope re-signing with the Lakers, three-year $40 million. Nerlens Noel. Play for the Dallas Mavericks last. He will be playing for the New York Knickerbockers on a one-year $5 million deal. God, let's just keep it going, people. Let's keep it going. Day three. Just so many things have happened. Damian Jones, two-year, $3.7 million deal with the Suns. Bismack Biombo resides with the Charlotte Hornets on a one-year $2.3 million deal. Etwan Moore. Signing with the Suns as well. Willie Cauley-Stein, reing up with the Mavericks. He didn't play in the bubble, but he's coming back. Two-year, $8.2 million deal for him. Harry Giles, he will be going to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, he signed a one-year deal. Kent Bazemore, formerly with the Golden State Warriors, then played, bounced around the league a little bit, was on Portland. He played in Atlanta, also played with the Kings. He is now back at Golden State after they lose Clay Thompson also traded for Kelly Oubre, but they bring back Camp Bazemore. Hernan Gomez is signing with the Timberwolves on a three-year, $21 million deal. And then Willie Hernan Gomez is signing a one-year, $1.7 million deal with the Pelicans. Austin Rivers, he's going to be playing for the New York Knicks, three-year, $10 million. Marcus Gasol re-signing, actually re-signing, excuse me, the man is going to the championship Los 
Angeles Lakers. Marcus Saul to the Lake Show. Mm. He's a little old, but interesting signing for sure. Aaron Baines got a two-year after the Raptors lost Marcus Hall. They signed Aaron Baines two years, $14.3 million. J.J. Barea signing a one-year deal with the Dallas Mavericks. Udonis Haslam coming back on that veteran's minimum to the Miami Heat. Chris Boucher, his story is crazy, but he signed a two-year, $13.5 million deal. I mean, he got injured. The man was working part-time. He wasn't even playing competitive basketball a few years ago. Missed out on a scholarship after getting hurt. Went undrafted. Now signs a $13.5 million contract. Good for him. Good for him. You love to see. You love to see those kind of stories in the NBA. Dario Saric signs a three-year, $27 million contract with the Phoenix Suns. Alex Len also going to the Raptors on a one-year, $2.3 million deal. Markeith Morris re-signs with the Lakers. It's funny. His brother got Marcus Morris. He got <laughs> he got four years, $64 million, and Markeith's coming back to the Lakers on a one-year, $2.3 million deal. Matthew Delanadova, he re-signs with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And DeMarcus, cousin the boy, he's coming back. Coming back. The Houston Rockets signed him. Signed him to a one-year contract, given a chance. And the Rockets also signed Christian Woods. So, Rockets, even though James Harden and Russell Westbrook have requested trades, at this point, don't trade them. You might as well see how the season starts, see how Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Eric Gordon, they're still a solid team. They're still moving in the right direction. Uh, I like what the Rockets did, and frankly, I love seeing them, seeing a team give DeMarcus Cousins a chance because he's one of my favorite players in the league. He's one of the guys, just too bad. Injuries have just ruined his career. It's a damn shame, damn shame. Him and Clay Thompson have been going through it as of late. Bull, bull. He resigns with the Denver Nuggets two years, $4.2 million. Hassan Whiteside. After getting paid a ton of money the past couple of years, over $20 million, he signs a one-year contract with the Sacramento Kings for $2.3 million. And those, are, those have really been the big signings thus far. Those have been the big signings, people. I mean, Robert Covington was traded to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, but really, though, that, those are the moves right there. What I just told you, and I love some of the dishes. I love the Atlanta Hawks bringing in Rondo. Going to be a mentor to Trey Young. And Rondo always brings playoff experience. Oh, and Dino Gallinari signed with the Atlanta Hawks as well. Oh, so did Chris Dunn, a defensive stout. The Hawks could make the playoffs. They definitely improved this offseason. The Lakers should be noticed. Also signed Montrez Harold. Brought back Markeith Morris. Brought in Marcus Gasol. Traded for Dennis Schroeder. The Lakers, after winning the championship, I see them getting better. Yeah, losing Rondo's a big loss, but I like Dennis Schroeder. And it's okay that they missed out on bringing back Dwight. They brought in Marcus Saul. Yeah, they lose JaVale McGee after trading him to the Cavs. But I like the upgrades that they made bringing in Schroeder, Harrell, Marcus Saul, bringing back Markeith bringing back KCP. They still got Kuzma. They still got Caruso. The Lakers got better. 
good decision by them making the moves that they did. It just they didn't want to sit by. They didn't want to stay stagnant and sit by. They got better, but it should be noted, Anthony Davis is still a free agent. We're going to have to see what kind of contract he signs once we get into next season. But, God, this season cannot come quickly enough. So many moves, so many things happening, and you better stay glued to it because the extensions are coming in too. We'll just touch on it real quickly with some guys who have gotten paid the max deal, some young guys too. That would be Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Anabayo, and the most improved player of the year, Brandon Ingram. So Ingram re-signs with the Pelicans. Haven't heard much news about him. People were surprised. And then all of a sudden, boom, five-year, $158 million contract extension. Get the boy paid. Securing the bag. Wow. That's a lot of money. But he, if he keeps playing like this, he, he deserves it. He deserves it. But then another guy, Donovan Mitchell. Hoo-wee. Definitely one of the best shooting guards in the league. Signed a five-year, $195 million rookie extension. Good Lord. $195 million. God damn. Let me hold a dollar. Matter of fact, just let me hold 10000 Jesus. That's a lot of money. <laughs> is uh, and uh, supposedly some of these teams oh were missing out on that money. I mean, supposedly during the pandemic thus far, they've lost a lot of money. Thought salary cap was going to go down, not so much. Teams have been very active this offseason, dishing out a ton of money. The Boston Celtics, as well, signed Jason Tatum five years, hundred ninety-five million as well. Same as Donovan Mitchell. I mean, these young guys are deserving of it, and it just shows where the league is at right now. The league is in a great spot. So many young, up-and-coming players that haven't even really entered their prime yet. They're still learning how to win, still learning how to be successful in the playoffs. But they're only getting better and better. And these three guys right here, the fourth guy, Bam Anabio, he signs a big extension with the Miami Heat as well. All four of those guys are what? The oldest one is 23, 24? I mean, Jason Tatum's 22. Donovan Mitchell, I think, is the oldest at 24. Bam Anabayo's 23. Brandon Ingram's 23. I mean, these guys are young. Young, and they are getting paid the moolah. Well-deserved, though. They deserve that money because they're only going to get better and their value is only going to go up. I don't, I don't think any of these contracts, these max extensions for any of these players are a bad investment for these teams. They're all prolific, high-scoring players who can get the job done out there and do different things on both ends of the floor. I mean, just look at Bam Anabio. He's Mr. Utility, Swiss Army Knife for the Miami Heat, integral piece to their playoff success and making it all the way to the finals. Jason Tatum, one of the young up-and-coming players, 22 years old. I mean, everyone likes to joke, Celtics fans, that he's still only 19, but my God, he's phenomenal, and he's only 22. Donovan Mitchell, love where his game is headed. I would say he's an easily top-five shooting guard in the league. You could even debate top three with Klay Thompson being out. I mean, he is an absolute beast and doesn't get the – appreciation he deserves because he plays in Utah. Then I like where Brandon Ingram is at. You know, I think it was smart for the Lakers to trade him for Anthony Davis, but the way he played this year, winning most improved player of the year, he's a guy who I would want on my franchise moving forward. A lot of, mon- 
money to commit to him, but that's what the market demands from a guy like him. So uh, I think it's well-deserved. So good for all those guys securing the bag in the max extensions. All right, moving on. Topic number two. Let's get the NFL picks week 12. Top five big games. Um, I kind of break them down and then give you who I think is going to win. And it should be noted... (laughs) Struggled the past couple times I've done these picks. I'm two and three both weeks I've done it. Started the year off four and one in my first attempt doing it. But all the, all the games last week came down to the final possession. A couple of them went to overtime. I mean, I know the good games, people. If at least I don't get the games right, I know the most exciting games of the weekend. But this week, I... I like where my picks are headed, and I like what I'm choosing. So the first game we should start with is the game that may or may not happen at this point. That would be the Steelers against the Ravens. So the game was supposed to happen yesterday on Thanksgiving here of 2020. We got a lot to be thankful for, and the football games were mm, terrible. I mean, the Texans creamed the Lions, and then the Washington football team obliterated the joke of a franchise in the Dallas Cowboys. So um, it was supposed to be the Ravens-Steelers. It was supposed to be the primetime game. It was supposed to bring excitement to Thanksgiving football, and it didn't play because Ravens players have gotten the COVID, and they possibly might not play on Sunday due to COVID. And the Steelers have already missed out on their bye week and everything like that. So the Steelers are going through it, but they're 10-0. and 0. So we'll see if this game even happens. So that'll be the first game that we break down. I mean, Lamar Jackson has not been great this year. It should be noted. It, he has not been spectacular for the Ravens. After winning the Super Bowl, I, mean, just, I don't want to say teams have figured him out because that's not fair to him. But he just hasn't looked dynamic this year. He really hasn't. I mean, I thought he was just going to continue to project upward, be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You could argue he's not even top 10 this season, for sure. He struggled, turned the ball over a lot, can't can't really throw the ball deep down the field. It's been his big, glaring negative as far as him as a player it's one of his biggest cons is that he can't throw the ball deep down the field so if you keep him in the pocket really turn him into a pocket quarterback don't allow him to use his feet to beat you he teams have figured him out a little bit honestly and it's too bad to say because he's a spectacular player he just needs to learn how to throw the deep ball and they're just going through it right now I think they just have a lot of things going on this COVID thing certainly isn't helping miss in practice time Um, and and then the Steelers, on the other hand, they got one of the best defenses in the league. The offense hasn't been incredible, but they have a lot of talent. Roethlisberger, I mean, he hasn't looked great either. People love to want to throw him in the MVP conversation, but he has struggled this year as well. The offense is ranked 23rd. It's not great. It's not great, but they are 10-0, so... Can't discredit them. They've beaten the teams in front of them. They've won in incredible fashion. I just, at this point, I got to see the Ravens be productive before I can pick them. So if this game does happen, I am going to pick the Steelers. They continue the march to 16-0. They will be 11-0. Game is on Sunday at 1.15 Eastern time. I just, 
Hmm. I just don't know. I just don't know about this Ravens team. I mean, they're six and four right now. Let's see if they can turn it around. This would be a big game if they can turn it around and beat the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. But I'm going with the Steelers in this one. It just I, I need to see it from Baltimore before I can buy back into the hype. Because it hasn't been there this year. Hasn't been there for them this year. Second game, Tennessee Titans against the Indianapolis Colts. Both teams are seven and three at the top of the AFC South. Um, look, uh, again, it always just goes back to the same thing. I don't. I'm not a big fan of either of these quarterbacks, Philip Rivers and Ryan Tannehill for the respective Colts and Titans. Uh, I like Tennessee's offense more because of Derrick Henry's. Frankly, the Colts shouldn't have won last week because old boy for the Packers had to fumble in overtime. But that wasn't the difference maker. It was the difference maker in the game, but you can't put that loss entirely on that guy. But I'm just, I can't believe in Phillip Rivers. I've just never bought into him, and I can harp on it over and over again. Every time I talk about the Colts, the defense is phenomenal. The defense is incredible for this team, and... The Titans have not been able to get to quarterbacks this year, so Phillip Rivers is going to have time to throw. I just like the Titans' offense more than the Colts, but that defense might negate it. And the defense has been great for the Colts. It's been one of the best defenses in the league. Second overall, that rushing attack, it's just that Derrick Henry. Can they stop Henry? Because that's the difference maker for the Titans. Um, in their last meeting, Colts won handily, 34-17. to 17. I just hate picking the Colts because I never believe in Phillip Rivers. And I, Derrick Henry could go off, but this defense has stayed stout all year. Uh, I guess I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm picking. Oh, boy. Before I make the pick, I got to see who, who they last played. Who did each team last play? You know, the Titans beat Baltimore in overtime. 34-24. And again, it's Baltimore. They've underachieved this year big time. Uh, Colts, they just beat the Packers, went to overtime as well. That was the Sunday night football game. It, oh, this might be the... This is the second best matchup of the weekend, in my opinion, easily. I mean, this is the top of the fight for the division crown. And I'm going to do it. The game's in Indianapolis. You know what? I, I am picking the Colts. I'm going to pick the Colts. I'm going to believe in Phillip Rivers, but more so believe that this defense can win the Colts another football game and improve them to 8-3. and three. So give me the Indianapolis Colts. I just hate. Because <laughs> I know I know what's gonna happen. I already see how this game is gonna now play out. Is that Philip Rivers is gonna underperform, and Derrick Henry might run wild. But I'm sticking with the pick, Colts. Give me the Colts. Third game, the afternoon game on CBS. The Chiefs against the Bucks, who I think the best team in football is. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs going up against the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Bucks just haven't looked good on primetime. I mean, last game last game just Brady did not look comfortable there. Again, they only ran the ball 15 times and they got stud running backs in Jones and Fournette. 
but they can't catch the ball out of the backfield. That's always Brady's, you know, scapegoat, and they can't get that done. The Bucks, they are right where they should be, honestly, though. You know, the Bears was a tough loss. I blame that on the short week. But they just, just came off losing to the Rams. Jared Goff looked phenomenal, but sometimes when this defense gets lit up, they bounce back really nicely, but I don't know if they're going to get this bounce back against the Chiefs. I mean, <laughs> the Chiefs, it, Patrick Mahomes is now the front runner for MVP. The offense ranks third overall. Patrick Mahomes is an absolute monster. These two teams haven't played since 2016 when they were very drastically different organizations. I, I want to pick the Bucks because they're my Super Bowl pick, and I don't want to see them go to seven and five. But I, I need to be realistic about this and really look at who they're going up against. Yeah, the game is in Tampa, but they are going up against a team that is a force to be reckoned with. One loss on the year, and that was to the Raiders. And they just came off a big win against the Raiders last week. Patrick Mahomes, game-winning drive. He's the MVP. The offense, Kelsey Hill. Another team that just has weapons all over the place. Hyde at running back has been spectacular. They're not even using Le'Veon Bell, so whenever they decide to utilize his talent, we'll see. It's just, I can't go against the Chiefs. They're just playing too good of football right now. Brady needs to step up in these primetime games, and Arians needs to help him out, too. The coaching has not been great. In the Bucks' four losses this year, the, it has looked ugly. It has looked really ugly in the way they lost. Yes, last game was competitive, but the offense looked stagnant. They couldn't move the ball in the second half. I remember at one point looking at it, Brady was like one for eight to start the second half with an interception. On When was the last time Brady has ever gone one for eight in pass attempts? It, 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 he has, the, has nine interceptions already on the year? Hmm. It just... The offense just... Bruce Arians is not doing Tom Brady any favors with the coaching. Uh, they need to figure it out. They really do. They're my pick to win the Super Bowl, but the way they play against the good teams, it hasn't looked pretty. It has not looked pretty at all. But for this game, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I would like to see the Bucks bounce back, but I got the Chiefs winning this one. It's gonna be a close game, though. Expect it to be exciting. Fourth game, my five and five. Chicago Bears against the Green Bay Packers. They're seven and three. I saw a report. I don't. I don't know how true it is, and if I should even believe it. But apparently, the Bears are going back to Mitchell Trubisky after Nick Foles got hurt in last uh, two weeks ago game. Since they just are coming off a bye week, I just. Oh my God, this Bears team is. It, they're going back to Trubisky. I mean, I understand if Fultz is hurt. I get it if they're doing it because of that, but my goodness. My goodness. I I, I can't stand it. The offense is so bad. It is so bad. I, the, the Vikings. The Vikings have been torched this year by so many teams. And the Bears couldn't move the ball against them. Yeah, you could say Montgomery is out, but he's averaging like 3.4 yards a carry. And this offense is just awful. Allen Robinson is the only bright spot, and we have two quarterbacks that can't even throw him the ball. It's embarrassing. 
It really is starting the year five and one, and it was a fluke five and one if you look at it too. Yeah, the one big win is against the Bucks, but that came when the Bucks had eleven turnovers on a short week. And then week one, if Swift doesn't drop that catch in the end zone, the Bears could start the year zero and one, and then the big collapse by the Falcons zero and two again. I said it last episode, or whatever episode, and I say it every time. If the Bears. If the Bears lost those two games and we were where we stand at this point in the season, I don't know if Matt Nagy would still have his job. I really don't. You could say whatever he wants. Yeah, he comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree that is just brilliant, beautiful offensive minds. And it's like, where is it? I don't Where? For what organization are we seeing this? I'm sure it's really nice to draw up, but the Bears, it just, mm, it's a headache. It's a headache. And Roger, Aaron Rodgers does not lose to the Bears. I mean, my God, when was the last time the Bears actually beat Aaron Rodgers? All right, so I have to look up this record real quick just to see where it's at. So, okay, the Bears last one in 2018, 24 to 17. All right. And before that, oh, all the way back in 2015. How about then before that? Oh, hadn't beaten them since 2013. What about before that? Oh, my God. We got to go all the way back to 2010. (laughs) Okay, so think about this. This team, they play each other two times a year. The Bears have won four matchups since 2010. And and these teams play each other two times a year. And sometimes it's been three if they've met in the playoffs. (laughs) What a... Joke. What a joke. <laughs> oh, my God. I need, I need to repeat it again. The Bears won in September of 2010 and then didn't win again until 2013 because they won 27 to 20 and then again in 2015. And then the final time they beat them was back December of 2018. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose to this joke of an organization, to this Bears team that just has never had a quarterback, doesn't know how to draft skilled position players. You haven't been... Mm, mm, uh, it's, it's embarrassing. It really is embarrassing. And everyone wanted to hype them up when they were 5-1, and one, but I saw the writing on the wall, and I see what it is. And I, for that reason... It doesn't matter who Aaron Rodgers has as weapons. Him, Aaron Jones, Adams on the outside. Just give me the Packers. I mean, I don't believe Mad Nagy is going to keep his job. Maybe they give him one more chance and they go get another quarterback in the offseason. Like, please, please, Bears, like go sign Cam Newton or someone, someone dynamic who can do something for this organization. Because, ugh. Mm-mm, I can't stand it. I really can't. It's honestly giving me a migraine just talking about how embarrassing this organization has been the past few years. <sighs> shame. Damn shame. Give me the Packers. Give me the Packers. Bears moved to five and six. What a joke. All right. Monday night football game. You know, it needs to be talked about just because the Eagles were at the top of the division uh, as of just yesterday until the Washington football team beat the Dallas Cowboys. But the Philadelphia Eagles played the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks 7-3, and three. Eagles 3-6-1. Three, and one. I mean, 
Wentz is leading the league in turnovers. He's leading the league in interceptions. He's leading the league in fumbles as far as quarterbacks go. I mean, he is a turnover machine right now, and yet this team is still in playoff contention at 3-6-1 and because they are in the worst division in football. And I think about it. The Washington football team is currently in first place, and the Eagles are in second at 3-6-1. and one. Only one team in that division has four wins. <laughs> Ugh, just dreadful, but pitiful, but it needs to be talked about because they are in playoff contention, and everyone in the media is just dogging on Wentz. Look, he's turning the ball over a lot, but my God, he's better than a rookie Jalen Hurts. Uh, you can clearly see that, and I think Doug Peterson has a lot of faith that Wentz can figure it out and turn this ship around. But now, every team in that division does not deserve to host a playoff game, and one of them gets to. One of them gets to. But I don't think I don't think the Eagles really have much of a chance in this game. Wentz turns the ball over too much. Seattle, their defense was phenomenal last week against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray struggled to move the ball, which he has not had struggle moving the ball all year. So if the Seahawks defense shows up like they did last week, they're definitely Super Bowl contenders. And if Russ, he didn't commit a turnover last week. If he continues to do that, the Seahawks can be successful. They're 7-3 and three right now. I'm going with the Seahawks this one. Look, Russ, he was my MVP pick. Obviously, he's not at the top of that. But if he comes out strong in these final what are we, six weeks? If he comes out strong in these final six weeks, he could he could give Mahomes a run for his money. Now, granted, it is Mahomes. He's the clear-cut favorite to this point, and I don't see the Bucks, uh, excuse me, the Chiefs taking any step back in any way whatsoever. But Russ can turn around his MVP case, and I expect the Seahawks to win this one and win this one big. On Monday Night Football, the final month, the final day of the month, November 30th. So, to run it back real quick, if the Steelers play the Ravens, give me the Steelers. If the Titan, when the Titans and the Colts play, give me the Colts. Chiefs against the Bucks, give me the Chiefs. When the Bears play the Packers on Sunday night football in front of the national in front of a national stage and the most watched TV show of the week, the Packers are gonna roll. And then Monday night football, Seahawks against the Eagles. Moving on. Topic number three. College football playoff. Look, the first official ranking just came out. We're gonna talk about it real quickly, just talk about the top four teams and how it's the deserving top four teams. The best four teams in college football are definitively and easily Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. The AP knows it. The college football uh, playoff rankers know it. And that's the, how the result turned out. Those are the top four teams. Three of them are undefeated. Yeah, Ohio State has only played four games. But that's what happens with a pandemic. And Notre Dame, eight, no, playing spectacular playing like one of the best teams in the country. Alabama, though, they're 7-0. and Nick Saban, however, will be out this weekend for the Iron Bowl, as that is going to happen later today. But, yeah, Nick Saban, he's out. He's got the COVID. He has got the COVID, but they're still best team in college football right now. And then Clemson, their only loss was to the second-best team in college football in Notre Dame. And it went all the way to overtime. I mean, it was a spectacular game. 
it's been the game of the year those thus far in college football, no doubt about it. But easily, those are the four best teams. No other team really has as strong a case as those four teams, and that's what it comes down to. And I really believe, barring any of these teams losing two games, and I don't think, even if Clemson does lose to Notre Dame in the ACC championship, which is set to be the matchup, uh, I see Clemson being there. And even so, I would honestly pick Clemson to beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship. And even if that were to happen, Notre Dame would be in the college football playoff and would match up against Notre Dame or Ohio State. That, that's how it's going to go. But I think easily, no doubt about it, these are the four best teams. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. Right behind them, Texas A&M, Florida, Cincinnati, Northwestern, Georgia, Miami rounds out the top ten. Shockingly, BYU, uh, one of the few undefeated teams, had 9-0. They sit all the way back at 14 in the rankings. So, kind of shocking. AP has them all the way at 8, whereas the college football playoff ranking has them back at 14. So, I mean, they keep saying anytime, anywhere, any place, but I don't know. It is BYU. Man, who have they played? They have played absolutely no one. I think they're fairly ranked right there. If anything, the highest they should be is top 10. <laughs> Who have they played? Navy, Troy, Louisiana Tech, University of Texas, San Antonio, Houston, Texas State, Western Kentucky, Boise State, San Diego State. They have played no one. They have played no one. They're one of the few teams that have actually been independent this year, but, God, they haven't played anybody. No one respectable enough to put them very high in the rankings, so I think they're fairly placed at where they should be. But those are the big high points. I just think the top four teams who are there right now should be in the college football playoff. And, frankly, it's a damn shame that the college football playoff voted down going to eight teams. This would be the perfect year to do it. Pandemic year, not everyone's going to have the same amount of games played. Some teams are going to have a lot less, especially in the Big Ten. If they keep getting games canceled, they might only have six or seven games. Um, and they're only scheduled to have eight. Uh, they, they might not get that many games in. So I think it would have been a good time. And again, the eight that are there, I would like to see Miami in there rather than maybe Northwestern or Georgia. But I would say how the top eight goes – as of right now, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Florida, Cincinnati, Northwestern. Frankly, swap out Northwestern for Miami, and there's your college football playoff. That's how it should be. It should be eight teams. I don't know why they keep dragging their feet on this, because it's only going to go to it. They're going to see the money on the wall. And it's not a lack of stadiums. It's not a lack of bowl games. You Just for some college football bowl games, oh, guess what? You just rotate them out as you already do. You get a, you know, you get a first round, you get a second round, and then someone gets the championship in the semifinals. It's that simple. I'm, I don't know why they keep dragging their feet with this, but you know how I feel about that. Make it eight teams, but those are the four right now, and I like the four, and those are the deserving four. Moving on, topic number four. MLB free agency. Look, it really hasn't. Nothing really has happened. I just want to go real quickly, position by position, who are the best free agents available? And let me tell you, there is talent around the league. So let's start at that number two position, 
on an MLB depth chart, that would be the catcher position, JT Realmuto. He is the best catcher, one of the best catchers in the game today. You could easily say that he is the best catcher and make an argument for it. He, One of the best defensive catchers. He hits the ball fantastic. He's going to get a big contract. It'll be interesting to see where he goes because he's a two-time All-Star. Another guy who just played for the Marlins and just phased out with them. Just shocking that they just let so many people go who are now fantastic players in the league. But he, mm, I mean, he's the leader of all backstops in F war in each of the past three seasons. He's been incredible. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna get paid. Some other guys, Yadier Molina of the St. Louis Cardinals, he's a free agent. Kurt Suzuki, he's also a free agent. So those are the big three. So definitely some decent catchers out there for sure. And some guys who will claim some big money. And I'm sure a lot of playoff teams will be fighting for these guys' services behind the dish at first base. Big free agent. Got to be Carlos Santana. Yeah, he just turned 35 this past year. Having played, He's played 152 games in each of the previous seven seasons, so he's out there a lot of the time. He started all 60 games this past season for the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, he hit just under 200, but he also led the American League in locks in walks and produced a 350 on-base percentage, and that's my favorite stat in baseball is how many times can you get on base. So the average is low, but he gets on base a lot. So I like, love him as a player. You know, he was a big part of why the Indians have been successful the past few years. So expect him to have a pretty good market out there. Another couple guys, Mitch Moreland, Todd Frazier, Eric Thames, who took the year off. So there's a lot more talent at first base. So and I expect a lot of these guys to be playing for contenders. Like, expect the Yankees to be active. Expect the Padres to be active. I know the Cubs are going to be active after Theo Epstein's departure. They'll keep making moves. But moving on to second base, DJ LeMayhew. He last played for the Yankees, but he, what was he, top five in AL MVP voting this past season? Uh, he ranked sixth um, in war for among AL players. He's got versatility. He hits the ball great. I mean, the Yankees, they usually dish out big money, and I would be shocked to see him leave the Yankees, but a lot of teams will be fighting for his services. You better believe it. Some other guys, Kiki Hernandez, um, Tommy Lestella, and Colton Wong. So, And Jonathan Scope, good second baseman out there. Good second baseman. There's a lot of good free agents out there. So, And then at the sixth spot, that would be shortstop, Didi Gregorius. He was on the Phillies. Uh, he took on a one-year deal, but he made it worth it. You know, he might be 30 years old, but his OPS was 827. He had 10 home runs, 40 RBIs. Um, he, yeah, he had Tommy John surgery a few years ago, but yeah, I, I like where he was at. He played well with the Phillies last year. Again, another guy who's gonna, I think, is gonna get big money on the market going to get big money on the market because he could stay healthy. Before that Tommy John surgery, he has been out there a lot. So expect him to get paid. And eh, the other shortstops, Marcus Simeon, I guess, but nothing too special to write home about. At third base, Justin Turner. You know, he played for the World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, he had COVID and was kicked out of Game 7 and came back and celebrated on his team, which I'm okay with, but wah, wah, wah. I'm not scared. Anyways, 
Just wear a mask. Just wear a mask, hand sanitize, wash your hands, you'll be all right. But Turner, very nice player. Um, what do you have? 860 OPS. What was that, third in the National League among third baseman? Very good player, strong lineup for the Dodgers. And he is old, 36 years old. This is usually the time where guys start to dip in their career. Um, I think teams will be smart, will sign him to more of a short-term deal, like a two-year, maybe even only sign him to a one-year contract moving forward. But still a guy who showed that he can be a key piece to a championship team and can get it done offensively and defensively. So we'll see. We'll see if Turner returns to the Dodgers. They they usually let go of older guys and bring in the young crew, and they got a lot of young talent. So they also might save the cap space so they can acquire a big trade this offseason. Francisco Lindor is being floated out there by the Cleveland Indians and is expected to not play for them opening day. Do- Dodgers are always active for big-name free agents, so they might make a move for him. So I don't, I don't think Justin Turner is going to stay with the Dodgers, but uh, two other guys, Brad Miller, Brock Holt, decent third baseman, but nowhere near to the caliber of player that Justin Turner is. Out in left field, Marcel Azuna. Uh, he turned down a $17.8 million qualifying offer from the Cardinals last year, ultimately settling for a one-year $18 million deal with the Braves. He turns 30, um, actually already turned 30. He led the NL in home runs, RBIs, and total bases while appearing in all 60 games for the Braves. They were just one win away from making the World Series against the Dodgers. Hey. Braves got a likely, they were up 3-1. They were up 3-1, and he was a key piece to their offense and why they were so successful. He also played well in the postseason, so I expect him to get big money at 30 years old. And for a decent amount of years, I expect him to sign a nice little hefty contract, and he earned it for himself because he played fantastic this year. Some other guys, Jock Peterson of the Dodgers, he's also a free agent. Michael Brantley is also, and... Brett Gardner of the Yankees, he might be moving on as well, so some key pieces out in left field. In center field, the supposed prize of free agency this coming season in Major League Baseball, George Springer, part of the Houston Asterix run. That's right, Mr. Trash Can Banger himself, but Springer is a nice up-and-coming player. You know, I'm just, I can't stand any of those guys but expect him. I mean, he had another great season, played well in the postseason. He's great at defense out there in center field. A lot of guys are making big money on this Astros team. And in the pandemic, I don't know if they're going to be willing to spend money to bring this guy back. I mean, they got, what, six or seven guys getting paid $120 million. Uh, Or, excuse me, they got $120 million committed to six players. No way are they getting that kind of money. I mean, ju- they got already Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Ryan Presley, and Yuli Gurriel. They are dishing out a lot of money. So I expect them to save funds. And Springer, he's going to go to a championship team. I mean, going from the cheating Astros, he- he'll go somewhere else. I don't think he's just going to go to a bottom feeder that's going to pay him big money. So, But he- he's the prize. He's the prize of free agency. Some other guys, Jackie Bradley Jr., he's moving on from the Red Sox, and Kevin Pillar, also a free agent. In right field, Ryan Braun, 
He's played for the Brewers his entire career. Is up for free agency. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. You know, he hit eight home runs. 7.69 OPS in 39 games in 2020. Hasn't been an all-star since 2013. You know, he did the steroids, had that whole thing blow up on him. Maybe he could play a little more DH and use, utilize his bat more. I don't know if he's going to settle for less, but I certainly would like to see him off the Brewers because he runs train on the Cubs every time they play. Always see Ryan Braun do well against the Cubs, so I'm tired of that. So get him out of Milwaukee. And Milwaukee doesn't pay, guys. They don't dish out big contracts like that. So I think he actually might be moved and won't be with the Brewers come next season. Some other guys, Adam Eaton, another Asterix player, Josh Reddick, and Jay Bruce are free agents as well at the DH spot. Some valuable pieces. Nelson Cruz. I'm... He had 16 home runs and was on pace to have another 40 home run season. And he averages 40 home runs per 41 home runs per season from 2019 from 2014 to 2019. And he's 40 years young. He's still getting it done. And frankly, he's figuring out where he's going to play based on what the rules will be cuz I'm sure he's considering moving to the NL if they adopt um, the designated hitter rule moving forward. Uh, I hope that's certainly the plan. And Nelson Cruz will have a big market because he is a phenomenal hitter and can provide power to any roster that he joins. Some other nice DHs out there. Edwin Encarnacion, he played for the Chicago White Sox. Shinsu Chu, he played for the Texas Rangers. He's a big bat. And also Matt Kemp. So, those are the top guys right there. As far as pitchers go, definitely the top pitcher is Cy Young winner Trevor Bauer. You know, he's 30 years old, led the NL in ERA, ERA plus whip. I mean, he had a 1.73 ERA, had a whip .795, and only allowed 5.1 hits per nine innings. He was incredible, definitely deserving of the Cy Young Award. And he can go anywhere. I mean, everyone needs starting pitching, and he could go anywhere of his choosing, and I imagine he is hearing everyone. He's going to take every phone call. Every single phone call his agent better be answering. There has been one signing, though, as far as pitchers. Charlie Morton, uh, he played for the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, they weren't going to give him big money, so he goes to Atlanta on a one-year $15 million deal. So he got paid. Uh, another starting pitcher that I like, Tanaka, he's played for the Yankees his entire career. He's up for free agency. Um, some other pitchers that are out there, J.A. Happ, he's out at free agency. Some other lefties, John Lester, James Paxson, Jose Quintana. I mean, the Cubs are going to make moves. Cubs better sign some of these pitchers or bring some of these guys back. Lester isn't going to get the money that he got from the Cubs in his first contract, but Cubs need to add to that rotation. Losing Lester and Quintana is big, but I expect the Cubs to make moves and be active this offseason, so I'm looking forward to it. So those are the big free agents that are available. Moving on, topic number five. 
college basketball has already begun. I mean, this year, I, I know we'd like to say that it's been a long year, and it has with so much that has gone on, but it has also gone by really quick. I mean, that first month of the pandemic in March w- was sluggish. It was slow. It was depressing. It was. It took a toll. But then all of a sudden, it was like, it's already November? It. We just had Thanksgiving? I mean, time flies, and here we are already in the midst of college basketball, already have our first upset, Virginia. Virginia already losing to an unranked team. I don't even know who. I don't even know who this team (laughs) is and down. And they're number four in the country. Number four in the country. Hold this, L. Here it is. You You drop this. God, just. And Illinois almost lost as well. I mean, they only beat Ohio by two points, 77 to 75. <laughs> Virginia, they lost to San Francisco. I mean, what? They was 61 to 60. I mean, it already begins. Just already begins with the upsets. It's college basketball. It's just it's upset central. But these are supposed to be warm-up games. I mean, they're not playing anyone incredible. I mean, Gonzaga plays Auburn. They whooped them 90-67. to That's an SEC team. We know Gonzaga's the number one team in the country. Just This is a time you should be cleaning up. This is like a first-round matchup in the bubble. You should be destroying these teams. And here you are losing at the first couple of games. What is it, your second game of the year for Virginia, ranked number four? Hold this L. Hold this out. We'll go over the rankings real quickly. I know I did it in an episode previous, but for those who don't recall what they are, just want to touch on it real quickly. You know, just gotta just gotta speak on it because I don't know much about basketball. I don't I don't know any of the star players. So number one, Gonzaga. Number two, Baylor. Number three, Villanova. Number four, Virginia. <laughs> Not no mo. Number five, Iowa. Number six, Kansas. Number seven, Wisconsin. Number eight, Illinois. Number nine, Duke. Number 10, Kentucky. Number 11, Creighton. Number 12, Tennessee. Number 13, Michigan State. Number 14, Texas Tech. 15, West Virginia. 16, North Carolina. 17, Houston. 18, Arizona State. 19, Texas. 20, Oregon. 21, Florida State. 22, UCLA. 23, Ohio State. 24, Rutgers. And 25, Michigan. Uh, again. And look, not every team has played yet. I believe the ACC and SEC start tomorrow. And a lot of people are questioning, should they even play? Like, why are we doing the season right now? I mean, we're in the middle of pandemic and guys are going down left and right. I know Jim Behind he had coronavirus. A lot of players have to, and teams have to get confirmation that guys have don't have it and have tested negative and have cleared all protocols. I mean, it is... It's been a disaster, and that's why they're going to move to the bubble to one city. I don't know how they're going to be able to do that, though, with all the teams. Do they have the facilities to accommodate, what, 68 games? 68 teams, 68 games. There's a lot of basketball being played. There is a ton of basketball that needs to be played and games at all hours of the time. And Are there gyms available in Indianapolis? I do not know. I do not know, but I think they have to go the bubble route because they're college students. College football has had issues this entire year. 
I expect that to continue with college basketball. The NBA was successful because they were in a bubble. College basketball is not moving that route until the tournament. So, mm, good luck, college basketball. You're going to need it to get a full season in. They're really going to need it. And now, moving to my unpopular opinion. Look, it's another non-sport unpopular opinion. And that would be coffee sucks. Coffee is overrated. You coffee drinkers need to stop being so ridiculous and hyping up your drink. Look, we get it. You need your coffee in the morning. All right, that's cute. Well, I don't drink coffee. Everyone's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you don't drink coffee. Why don't you drink coffee? Oh, it's so good. It wakes me up. It's exciting. You know why it gives you that little pickup? You know why it does that? Because there's a drug in it called caffeine. Yes, guess what? You're drug addicts. You're addicted. You need to stop. You guys have a problem. Your addiction is filling over into my life by telling me how great coffee is. Coffee is not that great. First of all, it doesn't even taste that good. And, oh, yeah, you can put all that sugary crap in it to make it taste good. Then it's not coffee. It's like a mixed drink of sugar. That's what it is. And you're still getting your caffeine fix. I mean, just stop. Everyone needs to stop hyping up coffee. Like if you drink it black, even more power to you because that's the true taste of coffee. And my real problem with coffee isn't, look, if you make it at home and you, you use it to wake up, look, you're addicted because you need it. You're getting your body dependent on it. That is what it is. But if you're going to go to Starbucks and spend 5 $6 a day on a drink, you lost your damn mind. Like the whole business of coffee, if you're not cooking it at home, making it yourself, brewing up a batch, I mean, I mean, these people are insane spending $7 a day at Starbucks for some mocha frappuccino cafe latte grande sante. I don't even know. I don't know anything about coffee when it comes to Starbucks. Like, I don't know anything about a Starbucks order or anything like that. All I know is coffee sucks and spending 6 $7 on it a day, people are out of your mind. It's not that good. You can just buy a whole bag of coffee beans and make it yourself and not have to deal with the buffoons at Starbucks who are as obnoxious as you about your coffee. Uh, I'm just tired of it. Look, people, you don't need it. You know what else could wake you up in the morning? A nice glass of water. You know, whatever happened to old water, you know, it just gets everything moving, gets the di digest digestive going. I, water is just as good. It'll wake you up, and you know what else? Why don't you eat something, huh? Some fruit. I would recommend an apple, peanut butter. It's the best little snack to get you going. It's got the protein. It's got the sugar and the fruit, the natural sugars, too, not the synthetic crap that you're putting in your coffee or that caffeine. You know, it's crack. You're doing Coke, people. You're doing cocaine, doing caffeine. More people die each year from drinking coffee and caffeine than smoking pot. That's a true stat. In 2018, 92 reported deaths from caffeine overdoses. That's all you people who think you, you're, you need more coffee. No, guess what? You're jittery and a crackhead when you're on that stuff. Calm down. Why don't you just have some water? Take some deep breaths. Jeez. Like, 
Coffee sucks. It tastes terrible. It's too expensive if you're not cook, brewing it up yourself. Uh, and you people are out of your mind just preaching that it's the holy drink on earth. Stop it. Stop it. Every time it's just like, oh, you don't drink coffee? You don't drink coffee? No. No, I don't. I don't drink coffee. Stop asking. Stop trying to get me to drink coffee. It's not good. Coffee sucks. And that's the end of episode 40 of the Hang Time with Haugie podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, uh, check me out on social media. Things are going up. You know, those follows are rising. Those views are on the come up. Hit the like button. When it comes to your podcast, hit that subscribe button. You know, big things are happening. We're getting professionals liking my posts, commenting on my posts, and even blocking me for what I say about them in posts. But until next time, just remember, during this pandemic, wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace. Peace.